0: What is going on? Happy Monday. Pete Callender here. News Talk 1110 993 WBT 7045 and 1 800 WBT 1110. I just want to check this just to make sure it works because if so, it's going to make me very happy. Oh, thank goodness. All righty. Because I am 52% funnier with the rim shot available. Okay. uh So, uh Christy and I, so uh, Christy and I, you know, we're, we literally just bought a house in Asheville. And, uh, and and then I uh, got this job. And so now we're selling that house and now we're moving here. And so over the weekend, uh, Christy and I uh, plan on Saturday, we're going to go look at some houses, you know, and uh, look at some areas of town and reacquaint ourselves with because uh, some of these areas of Charlotte have just exploded. So um, we start driving around. But Friday night, Friday night, we see a house pop up on the email alerts and it says our old address <laughs> literally the house we sold 4 years ago in charlotte pops up for sale friday night full circle it did have a it had a circle of life vibe to it it had a kismet it had a fate kind of feel until we saw the price and we're like you have got to be crazy that's insane. I understand that the prices of everything uh, in the housing market, like the bubble, is here and it's and it's just swelling and it's. I get it, I understand. I blame like the investors, but no, I don't. I, I, well, but they are part of the problem. But I I I understand that the the uh, what the market is doing. That being said, when I read the write up <laughs> on what. What the house offered. I'm reading the write-up. I'm like, I did all of these things. But they're they're pitching this and this and the countertops and the backsplash. Like, I did that four years ago. Longer actually. So are you gonna show up to your own like open house and just (laughs) talk over the realtor? Funny you should mention that. They had an open house scheduled for Saturday. And so we went. So we went. We went to the open house. Now, Christy and I had already, like, we had talked about this, and we had kind of decided, like, we're not going to buy our our old house because it was too much house. It was. It was. It was too much house. We're at a different uh, point in our lives. We don't want. It was like 2,100 square feet. It was two stories. And um, we were just like, it's, it, it's too much. We didn't. We loved our neighbors. That was the thing. It's like the only reason we considered at all for a second was because we loved our neighbors and after we went to the open house we did hit like the neighbors who were home like we went over and said hello um but we decided to go to the open house and i thought (laughs) i thought with christy and i were discussing this i thought we were kind of on the same page like we were just going to go around you know go in as you know buyers but you know but we're not buying this house, right? We were both agreeing not buying the house. And we're just going to go in and take a look and see what was done. We walk in the door. Literally, the door opens. The real estate agent greets us. And Christy's like, we're the old owners. We're not buying this house. Like, oh, my gosh. what? <laughs> so it, he was nice. We walked around. We got to see it. They painted the place. And that's it. That is the only thing. They tore out the fire pit. That is the only thing they did, and they won a hundred thousand dollars. That's when I was like, I refuse to pay a hundred thousand dollars extra for a house that has that that I did all of the improvements to. Not happening. So we're still looking. Um, <laughs> this is this is just insane. You're still sleeping on that air mattress. I'm still on the air mattress because now, like, we're working. We have we have dominoes that have to fall, right? You got, it's a process so you've got to get uh so i got a I got a little studio apartment, and um you know we gotta uh, we we got get the house sold in Asheville, and Christy is looking for work, and so we're doing all of that that the, so you got dominoes that have to fall. The problem is they're falling pretty quickly, and it looks like we're gonna be stuck in a studio apartment <laughs> for like six months so this is <laughs> uh. Well, the marriage last between that <laughs> in that period. Well, I mean, I wasn't going to articulate that because <laughs> you know you don't speak that sort of thing into existence. No, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. But um, yeah, uh, I might have to sleep in the storage unit at some point. We'll see. I'll keep you posted. I'll keep you posted. But what, so that was one thing. Oh, and by the way, the house sold. The house sold. It went under contingency or whatever. It it it's now contingent. The day. It, it it listed Friday night, open house Saturday afternoon, and contingent sale Saturday evening. That's Charlotte housing in a nutshell. That's crazy. Went to, then there was another open house that was in a neighborhood. And so we kind of, like, we realized we're a little early on the buying part of it. So we're just kind of looking at neighborhoods. And so we're using the houses essentially as... Uh, As markers, as, like, waypoints. I know I'm speaking gamer language here, but, like, waypoints on the map. And so we're going to go. We're going to do these little side missions here and there, you know. And uh, so we're going to go. We're going to check out the neighborhood. We show up at one open house, and there's, like, already, I don't know, like, a half a dozen people out on the front lawn. There's a moving truck already there. (laughs) No, they canceled the open house. (laughs) Somebody bought it before the open house even occurred. And, like, we weren't even interested in buying the house for real. We were just kind of curious to see the neighborhood, walk around inside the house, you know, use the bathroom, that kind of thing. And, like, we just were watching, and Christy pulls it up on the thing, and uh, on the app, and sure enough, under contingent. So nice. now you're just like a creepy couple, just like on these people's lawns. <laughs> <laughs> we never got out of the car. No, we never got out of the car. We saw the other creepy people hanging out on the lawn, and we, we, we pull it up, and we're like, surely they know this. And some of the stories we've heard so far of people, the amount of money that they're throwing at buyers, it's guys, relax. I don't know what's going on here. It's I know there's like pent-up demand. I understand that. Everybody's got the COVID money, nobody's paying their rent. I like so everybody's got all this money to burn. I guess that's what's driving it. Plus you got all the investors. But holy smokes. Like just inject some, you know, reality into the process, please, for the love of me. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> News Talk 1110 ninety nine three wbt 704 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. So then after we went and uh, visited the open house, saw our old neighbors, and then we were like, well, let's let's uh, track from some of these neighborhoods, let's track the uh, commute times, you know? And by the way, the apps that tell you the commute time from anywhere in Charlotte, they are lying. Uh-huh. Lying. That is not an accurate commute time. And we know this because we punched in the commute time from our old house. And we know what that was. It was like an hour and so we were like, "That's definitely this was down in." So we bought our house in like 09 in Steel Creek and it, it, off of 160. And we were like, "Oh, this is great! You got multiple uh, ways into Center City." And so you know, if there's a you know traffic jam or something, uh, which I know that's like i-77 in perpetuity so like you've got other routes to get into the city and uh and then by the time we sold the house though that 20 25 minute commute had turned into an hour so uh we're like okay which by the way what's up with the infrastructure on highway 160 city council what you guys just kind of fell asleep at the switch on that one huh i know i'm describing like all the infrastructure in the city i i understand so um, so we're like, all right, we're out of here. And so we punch in the uh, the commute time from that neighborhood, and it still says like 25 minutes. Like, that is a lie. That is a lie. Not even close. So we just double everything now on those apps. Whenever you see the commute time, we just double it <laughs> so we know. Um, and then we ride through what we later find out is the protest at Freedom Park against the atrium... <laughs> Uh, mandates for the vaccinations. Yeah, I this was totally my fault. I apologized to Christy, like, yeah, this is a protest. I probably should have been aware that this was happening today. And I I come to think of it, I was like, I actually did remember seeing this, but I'm just, you know, I forgot. I'm I forgot. It was a Saturday. I had checked out. We were busy with all this other stuff, and I forgot and so now we're sitting on East Boulevard <laughs> <laughs> With all of these people, you know, honking, and they got the signs, and you got cops out there directing traffic. Thank you, Mecklenburg Sheriff's Office. And um, it wasn't that bad; we got through pretty quickly. But uh, so, yeah, so they had the big rally. Hundreds, as WSOC TV, hundreds, if not thousands, of people gathered at Freedom Park. Okay, so here's here's a tip. I'm just going to run down. This tip very quickly here for you. This is journalisming advice when doing crowd estimates. Here's how you do it. Um, If you've got a very large crowd and it's a um, and, you know, it's some sort of a a right wing kind of affiliated thing, then you just say, you know, hundreds. Uh, If it's a Democrat affiliate thing, you just say thousands. That's the way you do that. That's generally how that's done. Right. You you kind of give the lower ballpark for the uh, for like the anti-maskers. Uh, and if you got like the Moral Mondayers, then it's, you know, tens of thousands, maybe millions. Who could say? No, the real way you do this, though, is you just take a chunk of space and you count the people in that chunk of space and then you just kind of eyeball it and estimate similar sized chunks of space. Multiply that by however many chunks. And there's your estimate because you're only trying to determine is it dozens is it you know scores is it hundreds is it thousands that's all anyway so i don't know how many people were there let's but it could be hundreds it could be thousands who knows so they had this protest at freedom park and according to wsoc tv's write-up at their website atrium and novant made the announcement last week that uh, all of their employees would have to be vaccinated and this this prompted the protest Atrium said all employees have to get vaccinated by October 31, and Novant's employees have to be vaccinated by September 15th. The demonstrators marched from Freedom Park to Atrium Health and made it clear that they believe Atrium and Novant are wrong. Quote, I think it's wrong. Which you really could see that quote coming, like a mile away, right? They said This is Demetria Reedy who said, I think it's wrong to mandate that our nurses have to take an experimental vaccine. This gets to I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the vaccination topic. I just feel the need to put, you know, cover the story here because, you know, th- this is a big deal for all of these employees. you got a nursing sh- uh, shortage going on in America. And if you uh, uh, run off all of these nurses who, by the way, right, they have been on the front lines of the fight for the last year they're the ones that we you know we were out there banging pots and pans out the window for you know on every whatever tuesday night right like this was this was we were all supposed to be like celebrating the heroes at the hospitals and everything and now we find out like what like half of them aren't getting vaccinated (laughs) well why what do they know see this is these are the questions that I ask and maybe I'm just naturally a curious kind of person, I don't know, but when half of the people at the in in a in the medical field for some reason they're like I'm not so sure about this. I start to question myself. What well, what do they know that I don't know? What is it about the the healthcare industry? Now, I understand also you've got different people doing different types of jobs in the healthcare industry, right? So they get all lumped into the industry, even though they may not have any kind of you know medical expertise at all, right? They could just be a cafeteria worker at Atrium, right? So, and I'm not and that's not a pejorative, I'm just saying they're not medical experts, right? They're experts in food services. So many who attended the march were the same anti-mask, anti-vaccine protesters that Channel 9 has seen in the past. But there were also plenty of medical professionals, some of whom work for Atrium or Novant. This is an amazing, an amazing uh, insight that they offer up. Uh, Thank you, Channel 9, for telling us that the people who were opposed to the masks and the vaccines showed up at a protest against masks and vaccines. I never would have suspected that those people might have actually gone to a protest that aligns with their values. You also never see this kind of Uh, insight offered up on any other kind of protest like for example when uh, certain groups protest like literally everything you don't see these kinds of insights offered up to us like hey by the way these same groups they show up at every protest now I don't know if it's as obvious and blatant as it is I noticed this up in Asheville where they've They've got, you know, well, they had the monument that looked like the Washington Monument. It was the Vance Monument. It's like the obelisk, you know, it's like the big stick right in the middle of downtown. And every Saturday and Sunday, it's like the same dozen people. They just have different signs and they'd show up every Saturday and Sunday and they protest different things every single day, sometimes multiple things in a day. They're just always out there. They're like professional protesters. Do we see that kind of insight offered up for them? Generally, no, we do not. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Maybe we'll get to the Fauci audio today. <laughs> it's been a week. <laughs> That's what it'll, I do. It'll still be relevant. Yeah, you know. It's what I do. I pull all this audio, and then I don't use it. It's my way. But, you know, I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Right? It's always the, it's always the case. Um, here's, the, here's the deal with the... Um, uh, with the arguments on the uh, the masking and the vaccinations as well um, from the from the healthcare professionals, I would be more interested to find out why there is such a high percentage of healthcare professionals who are not getting vaccinated um, at this protest. Like I, that, to me is a more interesting story. That would be what I would consider, you know, three quarters of the word news. It would be new. That would be a new story, new information. The idea that people don't want to mask up and the idea that people are opposed to the vaccines is not really new, right? We already know this. What is new is that you've got a whole bunch of people in the medical community that apparently are not getting the vaccines. They don't want the vaccines. And their arguments are essentially the same ones that I've heard from the beginning. So this part's not new. But what do they know from a medical perspective? And does, you know, if they're going to get fired for this... Does that then create all sorts of pressure on the hospitals? Here's another question. What happens if you have a sizable portion of the employment uh, uh, staff at these hospitals that don't vaccinate and they get fired? Then what? I mean, yes, I guess they'll get their unemployment and all. But what's going to happen to the hospitals? Then what? I, like, I think these are pretty legitimate concerns to raise. Atrium put out a statement. That says Atrium Health has a long history of protecting the health of our patients, our teammates and the communities we serve with the new and more contagious variants. Now, I love when, uh, by the way, I just I love when uh, corporate entities talk about teammates. Oh, I, I, I love it. I really do. Oh, it, it, yeah. I mean, I really feel like I'm part of the team. Right. <laughs> I say that as one who. Well, I don't actually believe that they don't. They don't. They view some people as part of the team, I think. And I'm not speaking for Atrium here. I don't know. Maybe they got a great corporate culture. I don't know. All I can tell you is like, well, the corporations that I have been involved with in the past, the teammates, it's not really the, we're not really on the team, you know? Um, With the new and more contagious variants now causing hospitalizations to rise across our region, we are requiring teammates to be vaccinated against the virus to avoid catching or spreading it to others in our hospitals or other clinical environments. So it seems to me like you've got medical professionals that are disagreeing about the efficacy of the vaccines. You have people that are making risk assessments that are of a medical background that are coming to different conclusions. Again, I find this to be a more newsworthy story worth exploration. Most doctors, the statement continues, most doctors, nurses, and other uh, medical professionals are drawn to their profession because they want to help and care for other people, specifically to help them get and stay well and live longer, healthier lives. The new COVID-19 vaccine requirement is designed to do exactly that, since the science shows, there it is, now I can't believe you guys. Like, the, when you when you use the term the science, you... you it's almost like the uh, fake news, like these terms that are first used in order to convey authority or, uh, you know, to condescend or dismiss your opponent. Right. The science says this. Look at me. I know what I'm talking about because I know the science and it has quickly now. Well, over the last year, the science now means people who don't have the data or cannot express the data in a coherent manner. Fashion, And so they just say the science in order to shut you up. It's a way to shut down uh, a discussion. It's sort of like the science is settled from the climate change debate. Right. So this way, nobody can ever question because the science says this. Anyone who speaks like this should automatically be viewed with skepticism because science doesn't speak like this. Right. Science is a process. Testing various theories gathering evidence hypotheses and such and when new evidence arises old uh, axioms things that you know old laws things that they thought were were true will can be upended right so the the new vaccinations are uh, the vaccines they say are safe effective and continue to save countless lives we greatly value all of our teammates who have shown such dedication to our patients their loved ones and to each other during the pandemic, and we respect the rights of those who have chosen to have their voices heard in a peaceful and civil manner. Open communication is something we embrace at Atrium Health. We encourage our teammates to share any concerns they may have directly with their leaders if they have any questions about our vaccination requirement. No, there, there aren't any questions here. Everybody is clear What is uh, what the deal is, right? Everybody understands this. You want everybody that works for you to get the vaccine, and you have people that don't want to get the vaccine, and so they're going to get fired. That's what's going to happen. They're going to get fired, right? That's Everyone's clear. Them saying this stuff to you isn't going to change what happens. They're going to get fired, unless, of course, there are so many people that are going to get fired that you now can't operate, right? You, you, you literally can't see enough patients because you don't have the staff. And then you might have to say, okay, we're not going to require it anymore because there were too many people that we had to fire. Everybody's clear about this. We're just going to... So now, like, th- this is the gamble, right? We're going to see how it shakes out. I don't know how it's going to shake out. I'm terrible at predicting these things. I'm not a weather person. I mean, they're predicting the future. Like, I come from news. We tell you stuff that already happened, right? All right, what do we got here? This is... I don't know what your name is. It says worker at atrium.
1: Uh, nope, not at atrium. I, uh, I'm i just a, a, a general uh, person caller, but I had an interesting story oh. about, uh, you know, the, all the fuss and all about the photo ID. I've always said, you know, man, anybody can get a photo ID. Well, let me tell you what happened to my grandmother that's 87 years old in a nursing home. She's half blind, she can't hardly see, so I carry her to all of her doctor's appointments. Well, because, she, because of COVID, it had been like a year since she's been to this particular doctor. And uh, they, so they said, we gotta have copies of your photo ID and your insurance cards. And the only thing she had was a driver's license and it was expired. She said, we can't take this. And I said, what do you mean you can't take it? It's her. And they said, no, you have to get a, uh, a new license. So I called to find out what was involved in that. And they said I had to have her birth certificate. Now, this lady's 87 years old. A birth certificate, and the birth certificate had to match the name on the marriage license. And I'm like, my God, she probably doesn't even know where that is. <laughs> So we left out of there without a photo ID.
0: Okay. Uh, Rick, thank you. It's compelling and rich. I hit the wrong call. I hit the wrong line. That was totally my fault. So I don't know your name on line one. Stay on line one. By the way, if you listen all this week, you will get a chance to win tickets to an evening with Michael Buble on August 17th. It is not right now. I'm not giving them away right now. August 17th, 8 p.m. at the Spectrum Center, Charlotte. Be listening all this week for your opportunity to win. Okay, sorry. Line one. This person works at Atrium. I apologize. I thought I picked up your line earlier. Person who works at Atrium, welcome to the show.
2: Hi. Um, love your show. Thank um, you. I, everyone is an expert, of course. Um, but I, I honestly think I am. I've been in healthcare <laughs> for 40 years in this town when it was Charlotte Memorial Hospital. I've also been a BT listener for almost as long. Um, but I'll be the first to say the information that has come out. From these so called experts has been beyond confusing. But I'm going to cut to the chase. Some of the reason it's been confusing is that no one has ever dealt with this in our lifetime, any kind of a pandemic, really. So as things were learned along the way, yes, the rules changed, the recommendations changed along the way. I mean, early on it was, well, masks aren't going to do any good, and now masks. Are probably going to be mandatory again. The truth is, I don't believe anyone in the healthcare arena is on purpose trying to misrepresent or mislead. The truth is, we've learned along the way. So that's part of the reason it's been confusing. But let me tell you why some healthcare workers are resistant. It isn't that they don't believe the science so much as it's the same resistance in the general population around political and religious affiliation. And I will say, I'm also part of both of those groups. I am a conservative Christian and a political conservative. However, the science does trump either of those. So today, in Atrium Health, over 98% of the people sick enough to be in the hospital and dying are unvaccinated. Mm -hmm. Over 98% of them. That's a fact.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: and unfortunately, we're also learning that this Delta variant is the meanest one so far, and we may, as vaccinated people, be carrying it around, but there is an almost 100% chance that I am not going to die. And people saying it's experimental, that's really, really not so. It's gone through the same exact test as any other new medication would be it's as safe as any vaccine ever invented so i am frustrated i'm sick of this i've been dealing with this disease for a year and a half get the vaccine and we can put this thing to bed nobody's trying to pull one over on anyone but those protesters they have a right to protest their protesting isn't from a healthcare perspective it is you government can cannot tell me what to do mm -hmm. that's what
0: it is so um the, so the only thing I would uh, so I agree with you, I, I I think I quoted this the other day was Congressman Dr. Greg Murphy, who said we're building the plane while we're flying it with covid and the response yep. and all part of the problem throughout the pandemic and the responses when they change. And I agree with you that when, you know, new information becomes available, you have to pivot, you have to shift and you've got to adapt. The problem is, is that there's never been a recognition before the shift that what was going on prior was not I don't want to say correct but was not the best course right there when the shifts occur I think it's incumbent to say okay look everybody we were telling you this now we know otherwise we were wrong we need to shift right but they don't do that because nobody wants to say they were wrong and people are afraid, and you know this in the medical community, there are some folks running around in that profession with a bit of a God complex. They do not like people to question them on certain things. you got the same thing going on in politics. you got the same thing going on in media. <laughs> and so you got all these people that do not want to be wrong, and now they have to shift positions and then basically gaslight everybody to say, oh, no, no, I, I didn't say those things that I obviously said before. And that yep. breeds the distrust and the skepticism. And I don't think telling people just go get the vaccine, it's not going to work anymore. It might have worked a year yep. ago. It's not going to work now.
2: I agree there is this arrogance that people don't want to admit they're wrong, particularly in politics. But I will tell you on the inside, and I am fairly high up in this organization, I see all of the boardroom and committee room drama about how to communicate this. It is of utmost integrity. We have internally said many times, we now know differently. Here's the latest evidence. This is changing. I mean, it is a daily communication to our folks about what we know now. And there's never been an arrogance about, well, we've been right all along, because quite frankly, we weren't. Mm -hmm. We knew what we knew at the time. I think it's media and politics and even religion who have an agenda that that is different from science and i will say again we'd still have smallpox and polio killing kids if we didn't have vaccines this is the best vaccine we've ever had
0: well but uh, now hang on a second how can you say that this is the best vaccine we've ever had if the if people who get vaccinated are still able to spread the disease that doesn't happen so, with, like, polio, does it?
2: I, I hear what you're saying. Okay. Best vaccine in terms of the science that built it. We're, we're better scientists now. What we did not know, even a month ago, was how this Delta variant was as infe- or as uh, contagious as chickenpox, which mm-hmm. is crazy contagious. The vaccine still is nearly 100% protective against hospitalization and death. Right. But it is less effective you're right against transmitting so as a vaccinated person i can still get it and have a low symptom or no symptom case and spread it that's what's scaring the crap out of me
0: right so i understand okay so i understand that but so this is this kind of goes to that very point that i was making and, and people now become skeptical and less trusting because like when you say that this is as good as any vaccine we've ever had and now yeah. you are immediately just. All I did was ask you one question, and now it's well. Okay, what it's I not actually is, the best. Like that. That. That's I, I what mean, I'm talking about.
2: Okay. What I mean is, the science that built it is solid science. However, with the variants, and this is the other reason people need to get vaccinated. If we could get this thing calmed down. It would end quicker. The longer it's circulating in the community, mm-hmm. this isn't the last variant. There's no. two more out behind this one. There will this be more. It's
0: going to get more vicious. Yeah, well, yeah. No, well, I, so, well, now, hang on a second. Now, uh, I'm not sure I agree with that, though. This is all speculative, right? And as long as we're just speculating on the nature of viruses, don't viruses become more contagious but less deadly as they uh, mutate? Um, hard to say. In general.
2: This one's getting, this one's getting more deadly.
0: It's not. As wait as well. a minute. No, wait, wait a minute. Oh, yeah. The Delta variant oh, yes. is not more, is not, no, it's, the Delta variant's not more deadly.
2: Uh-huh.
0: No. It is. It's more contagious. Okay.
2: Fair enough. More people unvaccinated are dying of it because the viral load, which is how right. severe it's going to be, is higher mm-hmm. with the Delta variant. And people younger are getting it, not necessarily because it's more virulent. The old people aren't getting it because they're vaccinated. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just so clear to me. My mom's not going to get it. She got vaccinated when she was 70, 70. Who we're seeing in the hospital now are people in 30s to 50s range. We're not seeing old people anymore because they got vaccinated.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: So when I say more deadly, I mean... And I'm not, I don't have anything to prove here. You'll never know my name because I didn't give it to you. No,
0: that's right. That's fine.
2: fine. We've got to get community immunity somehow. And no one I agree. knew how very virulent this Delta variant was going to be. And we already know the next two. They're out there already.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yes, I, I, I agree. Wrong, but- no, uh, so I agree with you that the way forward is herd immunity. I've been saying it for a year. I got vaccinated. I encourage people to get vaccinated. I don't force people to do stuff against their will, though, because I'm more of a libertarian like that. But I all the information I've seen is that it's more contagious. It's not more deadly. Um, But again, what do I know? 11, 10, WBT WBTP calendar here. All right. So I literally just, I just Googled it. (laughs) The world health organization has not recorded higher mortality rates from Delta, from the Delta variant has not recorded higher mortality rates from the Delta variant. So again, If you're trying to convince me (laughs) to believe you, then, I don't know, like, the sales pitch that's, I just, sometimes I just feel like the sales pitch, it's not exactly and entirely accurate. And I'm not, let's just say that comes, it's not coming from a malicious place. I'm just saying, sometimes, not so accurate. All right? That's all I'm saying. Let me shift gears here real quick, and uh, welcome to the show, Michael Watley. He is the chairman of the North Carolina Republican Party. Michael, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right, doing all right. So uh, this weekend, you guys had, uh, what, your first meeting of the party's election integrity committee, right?
4: Yeah, really excited to get that group together. I think, you know, in North Carolina last cycle... Uh, we did a really good job of making sure that we had uh, lawyers, attorneys, observers, uh, you know, present for uh, the the canvassing and the recounts um, and made sure that not a single vote was counted in North Carolina without us having observers and, and lawyers in the room. But there's a lot more to do, and we just have a whole lot of expertise uh, around the state and in the party uh, and uh, the RNC I thought uh, Ronna McDaniel, chairman, uh, Chairwoman McDaniel, did a great job of putting together a national committee. And we want to go ahead and, and have a statewide committee to make sure that we're focusing on best practices, that we're training our attorneys and our observers, and we're engaged with the legislature and the, uh, and the Board of Elections uh, to make sure that the process goes smooth here.
0: So what exactly is this? This is a party committee, right? So, I mean, it doesn't have any kind of like statutory authority, right? This is just a committee of the party?
4: Yeah, so we've got 16 uh, people that are on the committee. Uh, Buck Newton, former state senator, uh, is uh, is the chair. And uh, these are folks who have been, uh, you know, on the county boards of elections or been uh, county chairs. Uh, we've got folks that have worked with the state board. Uh, we've got attorneys uh, who've been involved with litigation. Uh, And the the main mandate on our end is is twofold. One uh, is we do want to have the committee making recommendations to the legislature, to the boards of elections uh, and working, you know, making sure that they're, you know, focusing on what they need to focus on. And the second thing is to work with our county parties uh, to make sure that we're recruiting and training all of the volunteers and lawyers that we need uh, to have in place around election Uh, You know, with 17 days of early voting uh, plus Election Day, uh, you know, that's just a lot of of polling locations that we need to make sure that we have them covered.
0: So how did the, uh, well, I was going to say laws change, uh, uh, but I guess like the the elections director says that the laws were not changed, the rules were changed, right? So. How did those rule changes of the last election cycle? Uh, how did they impact party operations uh, on election day and during the early voting period?
4: Sure. You know, the biggest thing that they that they did was they tried to take away uh, you know things like signature requirements uh, on absentee ballots, and they tried to say uh, that we're going to have uh, you know drop boxes that are not monitored for people to put absentee ballots in. Uh, they changed the timelines you know, for absentee votes to come in instead of being three days after the election. They were 12 days after the election, things along those lines. So um, it it didn't necessarily affect our line of sight too much in terms of the observers. Uh, And I thought it was really important that we had coverage in all 100 counties last time. Um, But they did propose a uh, rule or talked about proposing a rule uh, earlier this year that would have limited uh... the number of observers that we could have in the polls and we pushed back very very aggressively on that uh... to the point where they actually dropped that proposal i'm glad to say so you know um, in terms of what we're doing and we're operating on we just want to make sure that the legislature uh... which has put you know good laws on the books uh... we want the the state board to follow them um, and and unfortunately that did not happen last cycle
0: Did the Republican Party get caught flat footed with uh, in responding to litigation efforts undertaken by the Democratic Party, in particular, Mark Elias?
4: You know, um, the thing that, that really bothered us about the litigation last year was that Republicans were involved in that lawsuit. They had Democratic plaintiffs file a lawsuit against the Board of Elections, and the the Republicans in the legislature, the House and Senate caucuses, were actually involved in that litigation. But then when the board announced that they had settled uh, the case, they had a settlement agreement with the plaintiffs, the Republicans were not included in those settlement discussions. Uh, And that is hugely problematic. Um, So uh, to the point where the legislature is actually Introduce legislation in both the House and the Senate this year that would require uh, all the parties to any litigation to be involved in settlement negotiations.
0: But, right. But, I mean, Governor Cooper, I expect, will veto that. To, or, I would expect yeah. so. But I
4: think, <laughs> you know, we need, but I think there's value in the legislation moving forward. Yeah. Um, and I think there's value in having a discussion about fairness. You know, and to be honest with you, that state judge should have never allowed a a consent decree like that to move forward without having all of the parties to the litigation be part of those discussions.
0: And if I recall correctly, that was the same state judge, though, that had ruled earlier that the entire legislature was a usurper body. I mean, a really radical viewpoint espoused basically only by like the North Carolina chapter of the NAACP, I think.
4: Yeah, that was a textbook example of forum shopping by the Democratic plaintiffs. They they really did their homework, found a judge that they liked, and moved all of their lawsuits through that judge.
0: And then surprise, surprise, they get they get rulings that they that they like. Um, well, speaking of surprises, were you surprised that uh, some Democrats now they say they actually have never really had a problem with voter ID? Um, just apparently, I guess every single iteration of every voter id law that republicans have ever drawn up that's a, that's been the problem
4: <laughs> you know i think that that's a case of politicians who are actually catching up with their voters yeah you know we have seen in poll after poll after poll that 75% plus of all americans support voter id 69% of black voters support id you have huge majorities of democratic voters support voter ID. They want elections to be transparent and, and straightforward and predictable. Um, and, and, you know, it's about time that some of these uh, Democrats, uh, you know, politicians actually recognize that a, a vast majority of their voters uh, want these elections to be, uh, you know, uh, safe and, and, and moving forward where we can protect the ballot.
0: Yeah, it was interesting, too, why they sort of just ceded that position, just surrendered the position, didn't even get anything as a concession from the Republicans up in Washington. I I, I thought it was just it was a really odd kind of a shift when Manchin, uh, uh, Senator Manchin from West Virginia, you know, he he talked about voter ID being part of a bill that he was uh, working on. And all of a sudden Democrats were like, oh, yeah, that's fine. And like they didn't even get anything for it.
4: Yeah, well, and I'll tell you, it's, it's very hard for you to defend voter fraud. And that's really what these Democrats were doing was going out there and saying we want to make it easier to cheat. Um, and there's, there's really no way for you to rationally defend that. You know, on the Republican side of the aisle, we're working very hard to make it easy to vote and hard to cheat. Um, and, and I think that you need both aspects of that. You know, when you look at the states that are passing election laws now, Uh, every one of them is 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 extending early voting extending absentee voting providing people with more opportunities to be able to vote in a flexible manner you know here in north carolina we've had absentee voting we've had early voting and we've got election day voting that's been uh our program for decades and and we are totally comfortable with that but then you turn around and say we're not going to require signatures on absentee ballots we're not going to require witnesses on absentee ballots we're not going to require those absentee ballots to come in through the mail you know you're you're taking away safeguards and actively encouraging uh voter fraud and that's that's the distinction that we see right now with where you know Mark Elias and the other you know uh, uh you know liberal uh plaintiffs in these lawsuits uh keep coming in time after time after time
3: yeah
0: Uh, Michael Watley, the chairman of the North Carolina Republican Party. Anything else quickly you want to add that's important or interesting you want people to know before we let you go?
4: Well, look, I will just say this, that we at the Republican Party are working hand in glove with the RNC on a a massive effort here in North Carolina. The RNC is investing over 30 million dollars in election integrity uh, nationwide over the course of the year. And we really do want to make it easier to vote and harder to cheat.
0: Michael Watley, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Take care, sir. All right, take care. It's nice to be able to play Rolling Stone's bumper music now. (laughs) There's going to be one person that calls and thinks we're still giving it away. We're not giving away Rolling Stone's tickets this week. We will be giving away Michael Bublé tickets starting tomorrow. Not right now. They hung up. We do not have any more Rolling Stones tickets. I would let you I would tell you if I did. Right? You know me. I would tell you that. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, Pete Callender here, 704 570 1110 1-800-WBT-1110. A um, couple of uh, tweets that I got regarding uh, the caller that I uh, that we talked to right before we spoke with Michael Watley from the North Carolina Republican Party about the Election Integrity Committee uh, that they've, uh, they, they've put together for, uh, or this past weekend, uh, part of an RNC national effort. But uh, before the news, we had a caller said that she's uh, from Atrium Health. And uh, so we had, a, I thought, a good discussion. But like some of the stuff that she said, it, it like it doesn't it doesn't ring true with me on some like for one, she said that the Delta variant is more deadly. And I said, I don't believe that to be the case. And I, it's not that I just came up with this idea on my own. I read a lot. I read more than most people probably do. Like in a, in a single day, I read a lot of stuff. I am, I wake up at five in the, literally I wake up at five in the morning. I turn on the laptop and I start reading. And aside from the shower (laughs) and making the breakfast, I'm, I'm doing show prep for the entire time. And then I get on the air here. And then of course, you know, like, you know, People are in the hallways like wanting to talk to me and I'm fine, but, (laughs) but I read a lot. And so I come across a lot of current events and I remember reading and I've been talking about for the last week, how the Delta variant is more contagious, way more contagious. And yes, there are breakthrough cases, but like the, the fear mongering around this that's all the focus is on the case counts. And I understand about the viral load. It's living in the nose and the throat and all of this. And um, you've got people that are younger because all the older people are vaccinated. You've got fewer breakthrough cases and a breakthrough case is when you have the, uh, the vaccination. And then you still get sick from this variant. And that now raises questions in people's minds. Well, is it effective? And the response is, yes, the vaccines are still effective because, first off, you're going to have a percentage that break through anyway, because remember, they said that these are not 100 percent effective vaccines, right? They the, the most effective ones were like 97 or something like that. Right. I think it was the Pfizer vaccine, which <clears throat> I got. So I think it's like a 97 percent, something like that ef- effectiveness. But that does mean that there are some people that are still going to get sick because it's not 100 percent. I've always understood that. And so when somebody does get sick, I don't take that as evidence that none of the vaccines work. Just like when COVID was, uh, you know, the, reg- the the original, the regular COVID before the new and improved version came out. But the uh, the original COVID, I guess that would be alpha. Is that alpha COVID? Do they call it alpha? The alpha strain? When Because that sounds even more, it, that sounds stronger, doesn't it? Doesn't alpha COVID sound stronger than the Delta or the Beta COVID? I mean, just, anyway, this is the problem with, you know, this. you know why they've gone to this lettering system, like the Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta. They're doing it because they don't want to be racist. That's, yeah, for real, this is why they're doing it. They've adopted the Greek alphabet, which, did anybody ask the Greeks whether they would want to be associated with all of the viruses? But whatever. Um, I guess we can do that to the Greeks for some reason. So when COVID was... You know, ripping through the world originally, and I was looking at the different population groups and saying, okay, here in this age group, the risk of catching it and dying from it is a certain percentage and is very, very, very low. And then, of course, as you got older or you had other comorbidities, right, your risks got higher. And that's what this is all about. There are different risk assessments that everybody is making for themselves. And you know what? Some people are going to miscalculate that. Some people will. With the, they're not going to get vaccinated. And when they don't, they may get sick. Chances are they will survive. Chances are very, very, very good they will survive, actually. Um, but then some people won't. And they will die. And you can use that as a warning that, hey, you should maybe consider protecting yourself with the vaccine, or you can disregard that. And you can point to the, the four cases, because this is what they're talking about, four, four cases. This is the Providence, Massachusetts study, right? Four cases where somebody had the vaccination, got Delta, and were hospitalized and then died. Out of hundreds of cases. So, again, the chances of getting COVID and dying from it, depending on your population group and your uh, cohort, uh, your comorbidity cohort, the chances of you getting it and dying from it are very low. That's not me. That's the science telling you that. The science, right? To quote the scientists. That's what the science says. Delta variant, same deal. Same deal. So when, when she said, This caller said, well, you know, that's um, uh, it's more dangerous, it's more deadly. Like That's not accurate. And if you're trying to convince people that the science says what you are saying, then I think it's incumbent upon you to say the things that the science does say. That's just my take on it. All right, a couple of tweets here at Pete Calliner. These are just regarding the uh, the caller, allegedly from Atrium, <laughs> which I I assume I always assume people are not making that kind of thing up. So uh, this one was from Stranded Alien, who says she convinced me Pete definitely now not going to get the vaccination. So tired of car salesmen. Pushing vaccines, Sweden was right. <laughs> uh, Eric says, quote, we have admitted we were wrong before on our private internal message boards. You don't actually expect us to admit that publicly, do you, Pete Callender? End quote. This caller. Um, and then McDellinger says, listening to this medical person now, if they would push herding and outdoors, vitamin C and D, zinc, etc." And most of all, consider our wonderful immune system that God gave us, masks and indoor. This was an opportunity to kill Trump economy, and it worked. Um, Well, I mean, this is the thing. You can look at the results of the decisions and then try to make assumptions about motive. Right? You reverse engineer the thing. And that's what a lot of people are doing. I I don't, because I don't know everybody's motives cuz you know a lot of people were predicting all sorts of things and like i generally believe that there are a lot of people who are terrified of various things and look right now there are people that are scared of getting the vaccine and they don't want to get it just like there were people that were scared of covid and they didn't want to get it and they behaved accordingly everyone is behaving accordingly and people say oh well, i've i've thought it rationally through and all of this and they Some people say they came to the conclusion to get the vaccine and others said that they come to the conclusion not to. I'm not here to judge other people's decisions. I can tell you how I arrived at my decision. I think that's probably the better decision because generally. I don't make. The, you know, I don't pick the worst decision and go with that. <laughs> it's like people say, uh, oh, you know, that's my opinion. I could be wrong. Like, well, yes, it is your opinion and you could be wrong. But do you generally go and seek opinions out that are incorrect and then adopt them? I do not. I generally try to adopt opinions that I believe are correct. And if I am <laughs> disabused of the opinion, I will change it. And this is what I mean when, when you're when you're practicing battlefield medicine as a We were told we were, 15 days to flatten the curve, brand new virus, nobody knows what it's doing, no one knows how it works, all of this, right? I understood that that meant we were going to get some stuff wrong. But you know what hasn't ever been acknowledged in a year and a half now? Anything we got wrong. How is that possible? How is it possible that a year and a half into a pandemic of a brand new virus that Everybody said, like, this is brand new. We don't know what's happening. We're trying our best to adapt. Let's just lock everything down. A year and a half in, and nobody has made a mistake? Nobody has come out and said, yeah, you know what? We thought this was the right path, and it's not. Now I'm seeing some people, and I have no idea if this is true, full disclosure. These are White House sources, which I don't believe any of these types of reports. I take them with a grain of salt here, but I relay it to you. In the interest of full disclosure, which is that there are now people inside the White House who are talking about uh, they're crafting some sort of a speech that Biden is going to be giving about the potential for lockdowns. And I got to tell you, some of this stuff smacks as political expediency to me. It really does. It really does. Some some of these actions have me skeptical. You've got um, you've got a border crisis that nobody seems very interested in for some reason in the uh administration right um you've got jobs numbers that keep missing the mark you got inflation right the 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 delta variant is now this thing that we all have to focus on is like is some of this stuff like you've got what's the story here i'm seeing now today about the um the moratoriums on the evictions right eviction moratorium it's expiring and you got congress saying hey President Biden, you need to do something. And President Biden telling Congress, hey, you need to do something about it. There's like a lack of leadership here. They're 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 not doing a very good job. And part of me wonders, is the focus on the variant, the Delta variant, is this meant to distract me from how poorly you guys are managing all of these other areas? And I don't I'm not saying I know that. I'm just wondering, is that possible? Is this is this what's really going on? Monica says, Pete, it's not like we're in school and decide issues by making a list of pros and cons. <laughs> uh, All right, let me go over here. I'll get some calls on here before the uh, traffic break. Here is Brian. Welcome to the show. Hey, Brian.
5: Hey, thanks, man. I, I'm, I'm coming in late, but I, I'm just saying this was never about a virus. Um, they use it to burn down the Trump economy. And now they're using it to control us and to drag it out and to push vaccines. The, the inventor of the, the mRNA admits this should be stopped. Dr. Peter McCullough, Mike Eiden, Dr. Michael Eden in Britain, they, uh, the former Pfizer VP, they've all admitted this is not a vaccine. This is an experimental with 400, 500 $500,000 adverse events and over 12,000 deaths, right. underreported, by the way. I mean, there is no way this would mm-hmm. continue under any other circumstance. So it's never been about a virus. And I'm telling you, I people in Paris and Ireland and London are, are protesting in the millions. Yeah. And if we don't do it, we're going to lose our freedom. It's going to be gone. We're going to be here at forced vaccines and, and passports. If we have to push back. We have no choice.
0: So if there gets to be a point where we where our government is doing what the European governments are doing, I would agree. Uh, I don't see our government doing that at this point. Not saying that they wouldn't, but I'm not I can't see the future. First of all, second of all, I disagree with you that it was never about a virus. A lot of people died from the virus. Uh, and again, you don't have to agree with me on that. We have a different view of reality on that. Um, but a lot of people died from the virus. It wasn't simply the flu. It wasn't, you know, just a coding change and stuff like it exists. COVID is real. Um, Coronavirus SARS V2 is real. I believe the evidence indicates that it escaped from a lab in Wuhan. I don't know what the uh, whether it was accidental or intentional looks right now like it was accidental. But again, that's just what the evidence leads me to believe at this point. So, no, I don't think it was, you know, that there was no vaccine or uh, it's never been about the vaccine or never been about the virus. I think it was about the virus. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here. 704 570 1110 1800 WBT Eleven ten. Let me go over here to Anthony. Welcome to the program. Hello, Anthony. How are you?
6: How are you doing, sir? All right. What's just up? just want to make a comment. Um, I, I do agree with the gentleman to a certain extent, and I definitely disagree with you about it not being about the virus. It, it wasn't about the virus. I, I feel like since H1N1 came out in 2008, so many people have died from that virus, and it's just gotten swept under the rug. You know, there was no lockdown then, mm-hmm. and now after four years of the Trump economy, the Democrats knew Trump was well on his way to, to being reelected, and they tried impeachment. They tried a bunch of stuff. I mean, all the all the the, the harassment on television, and, and they they went to the extreme. You know, they concocted with China. Look what happened to China. We didn't even hang on. Right, hang, no
0: on. hang on, Anthony. For, for so I, I want to be clear about well because. The, the virus started in China that we right that we know of right that it started in China while trump was president right mm-hmm. okay so how did the Democrats collude with China to make that happen
6: I, I I'm saying it because after the fact what happened with China they got everything they lost during the trump administration they got back through the biden administration
0: not necessarily I think there were still well, some well, saying- the trade you know, the trade are back up I mean no, before the- there was a no, some of the some no some of those tariffs he uh, Biden kept in place. Yeah, but some, some weren't. I'm just saying they're,
6: they're less lenient now. They're kind of almost halfway back to where they were before Trump came into office. Now, but how does but is, how does the Democrats
0: can't... but but how did the Democrats do this while Trump was in power? He had the, the ability. I mean, he was the one know, directing you know, the response. Know, right, all the organizations
6: behind the scenes that are working you know but my 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 point is you know they had to attach a new virus name to create a pandemic they can't they can't say it's h one n one because we would you know we well, would say, not. well, why haven't we locked down i mean it's been eight years, ten years because you know, it's been not h one n one
0: but it wasn't h one n one
6: right it, they they had it's
0: a different virus name
6: to this virus to so, make it hang real. on a second right but so
0: that's hang the way on I see it hang on all right, so anthony, do you think do you think that the virus uh, was, uh, occurred naturally uh, at a wet market in Wuhan, or do you think it was uh, the result of uh, human manipulation of some degree in a laboratory?
6: No, it happened in Wuhan. I definitely agree with that. Right, but was because it the wet can't...
0: market or was it the lab? It was the lab. Okay, so do you think China then did that research? China was working on that gain-of-function stuff, and they, they did this stuff
6: i do believe that okay with with the permission with the permission of the uh the (laughs) higher-ups who are the
0: higher-ups hey
6: i mean i'm not gonna get into it you know there's 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 other people that are actually running the show every people that are woke know that you know you got this is a soap opera in the white house every four years you got a new group of people that come in and play their part all i'm saying is over over so many people die from the flu every yeah. year and it goes untalked about mm-hmm. you know and that's actually what we're doing it's it's a worst case after social distancing and all the So here's hands. the all right so Anthony of here's you're gonna get An- sick.
0: All right Anthony so here's the deal um I am not a conspiracy theory kind of guy I don't deny that conspiracies do in fact occur um but uh, but I'm not I don't automatically go there as a default I find people who do um they use conspiracies to try to explain things Uh, Rather than accept what is oftentimes the reality, which is far more frightening, which is that random things happen and there isn't anybody actually in total control over things. And um, when people talk to me in sort of the riddles like you're doing. I get kind of frustrated because I I tend to seek answers. And so when someone says that there are other people in control and you know who these people are, but you won't tell me who these people are, because that seems like that would be I don't know. I could help you then stop those people from doing all of these things rather than acknowledging that, you know, China messing around with these viruses. One of them gets out. It's a brand new virus that is undeniable as far as I know from the science of it. Right. Like the science Capital T, capital S, <laughs> they say the science is that it's a new virus. It's not H1N1. So I'm trying to figure out who the they is. And when you have a a structure that you're purporting uh to me that exists, that is in control of all of these things, I'm out. I'm out. I, I'm I'm not I'm not interested because What often happens in these situations is every piece of evidence that you can find becomes evidence that you are correct. And every piece of evidence that I could find that shows you are not correct, you then cite as red herring evidence. You'll say, well, that's just what they want you to think. And there's literally no way to discuss the topic. I appreciate the call, though. John, welcome to the show. Hey, John, how are you?
7: Good. How are you doing?
0: Hey, I'm all right. What's up?
7: Hey, uh, i got a couple things. Uh, it was just reported today on Rush's old show that uh, uh, Muriel Bowser, the mayor of the, uh, of uh, Washington, D.C., yeah. offici- she had the mask mandate come back in on Friday. And uh, she officiated at a wedding on Sunday with 200 people, and nobody were wearing
3: masks. Now, I-
7: I'm not a conspiracy guy, but when you got... All these people out there are screaming about how bad this virus is. and you got all these Democrats that are imposing these rules on people that don't follow the rules. Do they know stuff that we don't? maybe this ain't as bad as they're trying to make out to be? I don't know. The second thing is, I'm 67 years old. I haven't taken the vaccine. I believe I had COVID two years ago. I was in bed for four days, and I usually don't get sick enough to go to bed. But that being said, uh, they had the big uh, vaccine push back in the 50s and early 60s. I know you weren't born, but I'm sure you're aware of. Well, all the vaccines, everybody was getting the vaccines and the sugar cubes and all that mess Mm -hmm. back then. And over the last several years, they've been having commercials and billboards and emails and texts that anybody born between the age of, I mean, uh, the years of like 52 and Sixty-four or something, needed to go have a hepatitis uh,
5: uh, check
7: to see whether or not they had the, the hepatitis uh, virus in their body. Right. And the only the only thing that we have in common that all the people that were born in that time was we were all vaccinated. Okay. I don't know whether that has anything to do with it, but I can tell you that when I was five years old. I got hepatitis. They have no idea how I contracted it. They, to this day, I almost died from it, my mother told me. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I can tell you is everybody was vaccinated. And I asked my doctor about that. I said, what's the deal? Why, why does everybody have to get a, a hepatitis uh, test? And he couldn't tell me why.
0: At age five, you somebody, asked that?
7: Somebody knows why, because they wouldn't tell everybody to get a test. If they didn't know why, oh. but they won't tell nobody why.
0: I would assume to test for hepatitis to see if you have it.
7: Right, but the only thing that everybody has in common that was born in those years and it has nothing to do with race, nothing to do with uh, right. anything like that is that everybody was vaccinated. That's my point. That's the only thing we all have in common. that And that's when the vaccinations were really being heavily pushed on the american people
0: uh, maybe no i'm other, maybe i'm missing no your other
7: factor that has anything in common
0: right but i don't understand your point your point is that that a vaccine had a side effect uh,
7: there, there's something that was in the vaccine that caused everybody to either be able or more susceptible to get hepatitis
0: so well, not it, everybody.
7: It's just, like the vac- it's just like the
0: vaccine today. But that's but that's not accurate, though. Not everybody. Not, right? not everybody. Some people. But that's always the case. There are always side effects with any kind of treatment like that. There's no. I don't know. I'm sorry. I think I, I think I might have missed your point. calendar here, News Talk 1110993 3 wbt Here's an email. Uh, I will not give the person's name. Uh, they say they are a retired nurse from Novant. Uh, that caller you had, I guess it was an hour ago, is part of the problem. She was incorrect when she said these variants are more deadly. In fact, if you study biology, you will find that viruses do not want to kill their host. Uh, as if they killed the host, they die. So as they mutate, they become less deadly but increase their ability to inhabit more hosts. No one is talking about natural immunity to acquire herd immunity, um, and that needs to be considered. Also, new studies suggest the vaccine is less effective after about six months. We still have a lot to learn. I agree; we have a we have a lot to learn. And look, I don't have, you know, I, I don't have all the answers. I, I mean, people who are like asking me questions on this stuff, like I don't know these things. I'm trying my best to keep up to date with the evolution of knowledge, right? What what we are learning and the body of knowledge. I try to, but I'm just one guy, you know, and frankly, I'm kind of skeptical of anybody who pretends to know all that there is to know about this virus and the response. I am generally curious about things, but I am also generally skeptical about like everything, and I don't see, I'm sorry, like, and I do, I apologize, but I don't see this as the Democrats colluding with the communists in China to create the virus to take out Trump. Now, that being said, there were opportunities to uh, capitalize on the situation, and Democrats ran as far down that field as they could. Absolutely. Absolutely. The lockdowns and such, absolutely. People, if even if I give because I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. And so even if I give people the benefit of the doubt, and that includes Republicans. Remember, Donald Trump was president when this first hit. And he said, leave it up to the states to do what they want to do. If they want to lock down, leave it up to the states. And that was, in my opinion, the right call. That's what federalism requires. Federalism says Hey, let the states decide, these laboratories of democracy, let them decide what works and what doesn't. This was a brand new virus. We didn't know, I mean, we knew it came out of China. We didn't know how many people it was killing. We saw pictures. We got media running around just inflaming fear because that's what media does. And Democrats absolutely took advantage of it. Now, does that mean that they somehow concocted the entire thing? That to me is not credible. It's not credible. It's not realistic. It sounds kind of insane. It does. I'm not saying it is, and I'm not calling anybody insane. I'm just saying it sounds kind of insane. And generally, I try not to hold (laughs) ideas (laughs) That, that sound insane. That doesn't mean I succeed all the time. There are some things that, as I say them, like on critical race theory, when you actually start looking at it, it's like, huh, I know what this sounds like when I say this. It sounds kind of crazy. It sounds like, oh my gosh, you know, Red Scare, communism, all that. But if you listen to the people, like, it is in fact what they say. So, I'm like, like I said, I'm just a radio guy. I've been doing a podcast for a year. I've been following this stuff for a year. I've been interviewing people for a year on this. And the science has changed on it. And the leadership, the people that were telling us they knew what was going on and how to adapt and how to react, they have been wrong on things and so we need to be questioning them. But that doesn't mean that the virus isn't real, that it was never about the virus, that it was always about Donald Trump. That doesn't that Donald Trump was president. He was in charge of the response. So to whatever extent that you think, you know, he got um, uh, he got sandbagged by uh, uh, by the re, by the response and by his political enemies. I mean, that's kind of on him. Would it not be on him? Does he bear any responsibility for not being adept enough to navigate that response, I I, I don't know, uh, but I'm not I'm not throwing that on him. But that that would be the logical question I would I would have right if you've got this big universe of people out there that are pulling the strings and making all of this stuff happen. So he was just a victim of it all. He was not strong enough or smart enough or adept enough or political enough to to win. Well, yeah, I, I don't know again not my argument i'm just i'm just asking the fo- the natural follow-up questions i know i'm down a rabbit hole here uh hello dean welcome to the show
8: hi pete I- i'm sorry i i called because i thought you did have all the answers
0: <laughs> i do not
8: <laughs> okay oh. hey, i was calling about the uh they said on the news about the atrium there were protesters the nurses about taking the vaccine do you have any idea like what extent that is i mean is because then it said that you know not everybody feels that way is it is it like ninety five five or fifty fifty or um, what is sort of the consensus
0: on how many are you asking for the the population of the employees that are going to get vaccinated or or have been vaccinated I,
8: uh, I guess these are mostly frontline people especially nurses when you say them um I was just wondering you know if uh, i i guess i would put some weight into the consensus is it like the five people that you see on the news protesting <laughs> or is it is it the you know is it a significant feeling or a direction i mean it was brought up so.
0: yeah the numbers that i've seen and this has been this has been a little while i mean i want to say it's been about a month the numbers i saw on the healthcare industry it was about half and half oh
8: okay
0: yeah wow
7: yeah
0: no, I don't yeah, know. Like, do you, yeah, some of you know some uh, some health systems may have better numbers, and there may be different you know uh, better or worse numbers that are broken out among you know different professions inside of the healthcare uh, uh, company. Like, if you got more doctors and nurses that are vaccinated versus uh, you know janitorial staff and cafeteria workers and that sort of thing, I don't know.
8: No. Okay. So uh, when you don't want to say anything, you just sort of say 50-50, I guess, because huh? nobody can really
0: say what it is. Well, I'm sure that I mean, if you're tracking it at the hospital level, like these companies, if they, and especially now, right, they, if they're tracking this stuff, then they're going to know. And I'd be curious, mm-hmm. are they going to release that information? Will they tell us what population of the healthcare industry uh, or their, not not industry, but their companies Will they let yeah. us know that, or will we be able to determine that when they start firing everybody? <laughs> will, we, <laughs> will we have that data provided in that form? Yeah,
8: that, that's the sort of the significant end game of the whole thing, isn't it? I guess so. Yeah. We shall see. Yeah. All right. Hey. Thank you.
0: All right. Thanks, Dean. I appreciate it, and uh, I apologize I could not give you answers to your questions. Josh, <laughs> welcome to the show. Josh, how are you? Hey, Mister. How you doing today? I'm all right. How are you? I'm doing well. I
4: just want to tell you that I love listening you. Um, They had a
5: great rush of the three. That being you, so I enjoy listening to you, I just want to talk about
0: the fact that- All right, uh, Josh, I, I, you're breaking up. I don't know if you're in a tunnel, down in the tunnel in uh, Rock Hill or something, or uh, Gaston County. <laughs> yeah, I, but you're in a bad cell um and so we'll just kind of keep you on hold maybe bring you back afterwards uh but I, I could not make out but every other like syllable that you were uttering there um so i do have so we earlier talked to michael Watley, the chairman of the north carolina gop and i do want to like jen Pisacki does circle back to uh to that topic i know i kind of went off on this tangent it's what i do i can't help myself um on the vaccines and stuff but um this election integrity committee that the GOP is setting up. I thought it was interesting that there was a massive write-up at North Carolina public radio um, about election integrity means different things to the North Carolina GOP and to Democrats. But it has some uh, quotes here from the board of elections folks like the communications director, Pat Gannon. And uh, in this uh, story, Pat Gannon says every county sampled two precincts where they took every ballot cast in those precincts and bipartisan teams counted them by hand. They then counted the presidential contest by hand, right? They compared the results of the hand-to-eye count to the results of the count by the machines. So you're following, you've got bipartisan teams, they're looking at the ballots, they're doing a hand-to-eye count, and then they compare that to the machine counts by the tabulators. And out of 200 precincts, 13 showed differences. So only 13 showed differences. And this is being cited as proof that, see, look at this, very few problems. (laughs) For me... It actually shows the opposite. Um, I'll explain why in a minute. First, here is Boomer Von Cannon. Hey, remember, you want to listen all this week to WBT. We'll be giving away tickets to an evening with Michael Bublé. August seventeenth, eight p.m. at the Spectrum Center, Charlotte. Stay tuned all this week. I think everybody's got a pair of tickets, right? It's like it's it's like it's raining buble on WBT this week. Um, not right now. Don't call right now. I don't have the tickets right now. They haven't given them to me yet. If you call right now, you do. You cannot win ever. Ever. Like banned for life. Communications director. Pat Gannon, for the North Carolina State Board of Elections, told the NPR station, WUNC, quote. Every county sampled two precincts where they took every ballot cast in those precincts and bipartisan teams then counted them all by hand. This was after the 2020 election. So they counted. They took like 200 precincts and they took every ballot cast in the precincts. They counted them by hand and then compared that hand count to the machine count. And out of the 200 precincts, they found 13 precincts that had different results, right? So 187 of them were identical, hand recount to machine count, but 13, there were differences. They did not come up with the same total. They say that no precinct, though, had any difference greater than three. A vote difference greater than three um, between the machine count and the hand count. And they say, so that that shows us, it tells us that the machine counts are extremely accurate. Now, I was told there would be no math when I took this gig. It was one of the prerequisites. But I did some. Because I I do, I go above and beyond uh, in every job I've ever had. So I went above and beyond and I did some math here. And 13 precincts that show differences out of 200 precincts is 6.5%. That's what the percentage is. 6.5% of the precincts had differences. Now, that's a lot. (laughs) That's a lot. If you've got 5 million votes, see, here we go now. I haven't done this math. If you've got 5 million votes, 6.5% of that is some number. I don't know what that number would be. Um, But if it's 1% out of 5 million votes, what is that? 500,000 votes, is it? 6.5% seems like a lot. Six and eight. Now, that's precincts. Remember, precincts, not votes, but there are three votes per precinct. So if you start teasing out these numbers, though, those numbers get to be kind of big, especially in a close race. Like, for example, in the North Carolina Supreme Court justice race that we just went through. That was uh, 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 Paul Newby only won that by I think it was what, 100 votes or a couple hundred votes. Very close. In fact, it was so close that they were challenging all sorts of absentee ballots in the aftermath of the election. Sherry Beasley was uh, challenging ballots. She's the Democrat, she was the incumbent. And Paul Newby was challenging ballots. And at one point, Beasley was challenging some of these ballots that didn't have a postmark on them. They were absentee ballots that got mailed in, and they didn't have a postmark on them. And they were arguing that, well, If they arrived at the Board of Elections on this day, then they obviously had to have been sent prior to Election Day. So even if you couldn't make out the absentee ballot uh, postmark stamp on it, it obviously had to have been sent before Election Day. And see, this is the problem. This is the problem with using the postmark as the controlling data point in deciding whether or not a ballot should be counted if you're going to use the postmark date and you're going to say every ballot received with a postmark by election day and it can come in a week later right then that postmark controls that becomes the most important piece of information and if there's something wrong with that postmark well then you have to throw them out ah unless of course you get lawyers involved and the lawyers are like well If it arrived here the day after the election, it obviously had to have been dropped in the mail before the election. And so we should count it. Oh, and look at that. It happens to be a vote for our candidate. (laughs) right. So what are they essentially arguing? That the postmark doesn't control, that it is not the most important piece of information. See, and this is what prompted the Republicans in the General Assembly to say, you know what? From now on, we're going to say, according to this uh, proposal that your ballot has to be received by election day, close the polls on election day. That's when the ballot has to be there. And now it's a clock. It's not a postmark. Now it's a clock, right? Now it has to be in the board of elections hands by the close of the polls at seven 30. So the Republicans argument, this is a better way to do it. It's more secure. And the Democrats argument is that's racist. That's racist. That's essentially their argument that it's racism. that it's, that it's suppression, that this is somehow uh, this is beyond the pale. How dare you try to suppress the votes of people who want to, you know, wait until the very last second to mail a ballot? Because that's what we need to do. All of our society needs to accommodate the people who want to mail their ballots at the very last second. According to this story by Rusty Jacobs at North Carolina Public Radio. He also asked Pat Gannon whether voter fraud was commonplace and widespread in North Carolina. In the five-year period from 2016 to the present, the Elections Board's Investigations Division referred roughly 600 voting-related cases to prosecutors. The vast majority of those involved active felons who voted while still serving a sentence. Quote, when put into perspective, those 600 or so cases are a tiny proportion of the millions and millions of ballots cast in the election during that time. Okay, 600 cases, so roughly 100 cases a year. There is vote fraud that occurs, right? That's vote fraud. Is it, quote, widespread? That's now the argument. News Talk eleven ten 993 WBT. Pete Calendar here seven zero four five seven zero eleven ten one eight hundred WBT eleven ten. Hello, Howard. Welcome to the show. How are you?
5: Hey, I think
9: I think you're right about the math skill. I knew it. Uh, you you said six and a half percent of the precincts had a problem. But what you failed to mention is that was a maximum of thirty nine votes.
0: Yeah, there were three I, votes. Yeah, 13 times 3 would be 3 votes, and if you extrapolate that out over the course of all precincts in the entire state, it's roughly like 300 votes.
9: Yes, but they didn't have 3. 187 didn't have a discrepancy. Correct. So you only had 39 votes out of your hypothetical 5 million.
0: Yeah, Yeah, correct. 300 total out of the 5 million, correct. Yeah, 39. No because they only sampled 200 precincts and there were like 1500 precincts. Okay. Yeah. Well,
9: tell me this, uh they checked the machines that people voted on. What about the absentee votes? Did they recheck them?
0: They do it. Yes, they do a sample like that the, the the audit or whatever of those as well. But that has nothing to do with the machines, right? This not this particular example. No.
9: Okay. So 300 votes out of 5 million, what's that going to do?
0: Well, Paul Newby won by four hundred. Yeah, but he's not in all the precincts. Yeah, he was.
9: What is he? What did he run for?
0: Uh, he's the chief justice of the North Carolina Supreme Court. He okay. beat Sherry Beasley, and they he beat her by like four hundred four votes. So it was very close. Went to recounts and all this, and they had you know absentee ballots, and they were. Uh, They were, you know, they they were litigating this in the recount process and such. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, the
9: vote, vote, the three vote error you're talking about, was that on one position or was that total of all the things they voted for?
0: They didn't. They don't they don't break that data down. They just say there were discrepancies.
9: Okay, but a very, very small amount.
0: Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, you're
9: right. We don't know.
0: Right. So but the idea is that, like, I look at that because every single one of those votes and I know people are like, well, it's very small. What do you consider to be widespread? Right. It's sort of like the uh, the chicken and the pig talking about the breakfast table for the farmer. The you know, the chicken, you know, the chicken's invested, but the pig is committed. Right. Like there's a difference. And so uh, it's. it's Yeah,
9: but not. Not in this
0: case. Not in this uh, case. So you don't think that
9: error rate, even on the precincts, is fairly small, too. I agree it's small.
0: I, I agree it's small, but it does determine the outcome of elections. It can. I mean, you've got you've got elections in this state within the last uh, three years, four years that have been determined by literally the flip of a coin because they were tied. So
9: what's your. Story? What's that? So, what is your solution to this
0: problem? My solution would be more election integrity measures that would be agreed upon by both political parties, so they weren't uh, rather than using election integrity as a weapon to accuse your opponents of being racists. Well,
9: what would that be? What would what uh, be? You're sort of
0: generalizing. Oh well, yeah, because election integrity takes many forms, right? You've got absentee ballot procedures, for example, like the witness requirement, uh, signature requirements. Um, you've got uh, postmark requirements for the absentee ballots, right? So that's that. that that's one should, form. They
9: should go by that because that's law.
0: Well, funny you mention that. In the last election, uh, the laws got changed because the, the lawsuits that got filed by Mark Elias and the Democrats against the state of North Carolina and just coincidentally, swing states run by Republicans. I'm sure it's just coincidental that those were the only states he sued, but these are the only states he sued. And they went about changing the laws in order to relax a lot of these rules that were put in place for specifically the pandemic.
9: So well, would uh, with the change of laws, would that be grandfathered back or would that for be for future
0: well, uh, elections? Good. Funny thing you mentioned that too, because when the uh, state legislatures around America began proposing laws to either... Uh, permanently codify some of the changes or to permanently remove some of those changes that were put in place during the pandemic. They were then accused of racist voter suppression by the very same people that er- originally had sued them. Right? So this, this is my, this is the reason why I bring this stuff out is because, um, you have, you have an argument that is being made that I believe is a destructive argument for society that, that, Democrats are accusing anybody who wants measures like voter I.D., for example, which is very popular among every single demographic group in America. But Democrats accuse Republicans of being racists and trying to suppress black people's votes for wanting there to be a voter I.D. mechanism in place. And that's what that, that's the reason I go over these numbers like this, because it does occur. Election problems do occur. And there are measures that we could take, for example, you know, cross-referencing various state voter rolls with our own to make sure that people aren't still registered in other states and voting here.
9: Yeah, there needs to be a nationwide database on that.
0: Well, you could just do a cross-check kind of a system with, you know, last four digits of a social security number and their name and date of birth. And that's that you don't need all of the uh, all any other identifying information. That's that's enough. And you can then cross-reference people and flag them and you can also do list maintenance. Democrats have fought list maintenance efforts to try to make sure that the voting rolls are up to date, and they don't like that either. And at some point when you stack up all of the things that they're against, it does lead one to wonder whether or not they are actually interested in shoring up the election. And I suspect the reason why a lot of people don't have confidence in our election system is because some of these measures are not allowed to be put into place. And if you have a system with these types of measures, I suspect more people would have confidence. News Talk 1110-99.3 WBT. Pete Callender here. I do want to get to this audio of the Sunrise Moonbat movement. Um, their protest over at Tom Tillis's house the other day. The video is better than the audio, I will say that, but I, I, I do want to play this audio. Uh, but first, let me get Ilana on the uh, air here. Hello, Elana, how are you?
10: Oh, fine, thank you for taking my call. Certainly. I wanted to recap about, uh, I think, the r c Michael that said about uh, what changes they are doing. And my point is, extending the election early voting is going to cause more cheating. And second, you know, I read from the Judicial Watch, which I'm a member, that they sued Mecklenburg County and Guilford County about a few years ago about having over a million or two million, you know, listing voters that are not supposed to be there, and they never cleared it. Mm-hmm. So first, you have to clear these things. Second, we must have a voter ID. I come from a country that I have have to show my voter ID, and they stamp it when you go there. And no computers; it's paper, and you have to count it. And I think it's more uh, honest and more, you know, show that they really care and vote and count every vote.
0: So, uh, where are you originally from? Israel. Okay. Um, there are look. There were I thought good reasons for. Moving forward with the electronic machines because in two thousand, remember there were these punch ballots in Florida, and they were trying to do recounts. And the more people were recounting them, the more the the ballots sort of started falling apart. You know, like the little punch yes, pieces. The punch yeah, the chads, the hanging yeah. chads, and all of that. Um, so I understand, and I was here at the time. Uh, I was a reporter in Mecklenburg County here at, uh, at WBT when we were going through all of this, and we went through the. The bidding process and we got all the money for the voting machines and everything else um and uh you know i i understand the benefits that they serve i also understand the you know the security problems that and people are not always going to trust the the machines they're not um it would take longer to count all of the ballots obviously um do you think that so do you think though that that undermines confidence in the system the longer it takes to count the ballots
10: yeah, and one more thing, you know, we get a, a day off. Mm-hmm. So nobody have no excuse not to go and vote the whole day and it's get paid by, you know, your employees. Mm-hmm. So this is a great thing. And second, I think if we really wanted to make sure that this election are true, what you are voting for, each one of us has to take a peek of our ballot. And we should not let any committee to count and recount. We have to come back with all our copies and show them exactly how we voted.
0: Wait. Well, that's not a secret ballot, then, right?
10: I mean, if they recount and we have doubts, I don't know what they are doing and how they count. And the same people recount and count, and they never get to any conclusion.
0: So here, so one of the problems with um, keeping a record, voters keeping a record of how they voted is that that can be used to buy and sell votes?
10: Oh, no, just for this election. For instance, like the last elections, you know, we had a lot of discrepancy and a Mm. lot of things going on. And I saw even here that they have totally different machine that I recall because I'm here like 21 years. And I didn't like the way that, you know, you vote here and then you go to a different machine and you put these things. And all these electronic, you know, they are not reliable because, mm-hmm. as you know, there is a lot of hacking and changing and who knows what. So it's kind of take the honesty of what you're really going to vote and if it's really going to count your vote the way you want it.
0: Well, but I, I don't think there is a system that you could devise that doesn't require some level of trust on the part of the voter whether it's hand counting or machine counting or a combination, right? I mean, at some point, you do have to have some level of faith that the Board of Elections is going to count all of the ballots correctly and honestly, and that they're going to be guarding against any kind of outside intrusion into the count process.
10: You are absolutely right, but today we have all this camera that, you know, they can really follow and see everything and you saw like I saw and what happened in, you know, Georgia with all the, after midnight and mm-hmm. boxes going and even this, they didn't believe it. I mean, I don't know to what to believe anymore. Right.
0: Well, and this is, it, well, yeah, and this is part of the problem is there was never this golden age of election integrity in American history. Elections have been rife with problems in various locations all around America since its founding, right? Like like that's true. Yeah. yeah. So and there are examples of it. I'm trying to remember there was a write up by um, Andy Jackson at the Civitas Institute, and he highlighted I think it was like three or four recent cases, two of them out in western North Carolina, like within the last decade of problems. One of them was a the sheriff's uh, office where the deputies were uh, getting people to vote like the, the prisoners and stuff to fill out ballots and stuff <laughs> And like you can't be doing some of that stuff. And they, and they were. And so uh, like this, this idea that all of a sudden at some point in our history, we, you know, all agreed, okay, no more ballot hijinks. We're not going to be doing anything like that anymore. That that never happened. Right. People are still trying to game the system and they always will. So how do you engender um, uh, confidence in that system? That's what has to be addressed.
10: Yeah. And as you know, I mean, Democrats are always against the good things that you want to have. I mean, voter ID like and all these things, and always they have an excuse that this is suppressing, you know, minorities yeah. and all these things. It's not true, because I'll tell you, living here 35 years, I understand and I read and I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republicans or Independents. I care about your integrity, who you are, what you are standing for, what is your vision for this country, how do you solve the problems, how you see problems. And I don't care about colors or anything. But I see that with Democrats, they always play this racist card, and they cannot win any election only by cheating.
0: Well, I don't know about that. I, I do know that they have to keep people mad in order to motivate their base. I do know that. And I appreciate the call, Ilana. I, I don't know if they could never win without cheating. I think that they um, they know that if uh, if. As a demographic, if African-American voters voted like any other racial group, Democrats would never win national races ever again. And I think they know that. I know they know that. And because of that, they are invested. They have an interest, right? And it is an existential threat to them if um, if people start splitting uh, that demographic the way, like, Hispanics vote and whites vote. Everybody breaks down in different ways, Um But Democrats enjoy like 90 plus percent of African-American voter support. And uh, and they would say that there's a reason for that, by the way. Right. They they would say, well, that's because, you know, we look out for the interests of the uh, of African-Americans. And uh, I would disagree with some of that, but that's their argument. But I also know that there is a political interest in making sure that African-Americans view Republicans as trying to be racist and suppressive. Um, All right. Let me get to this audio and I don't even remember if the audio I thought it, the video was much better this is the Sunrise Moonbat movement they are a far left organization they advocate for the Green New Deal they did a protest at the House of U.S. Senator Tom Tillis over the weekend hit it we try us,
3: we <laughs> they try to stop us but we keep coming back they try to stop us but we keep coming back we on the rise up.
0: Rise up till it's one. Rise up till it's
3: one. rise up, rise up till it's one. people rise up, the come down. people rise up, the come down. They try to stop us, but we keep coming back. They try to stop us, but we keep
0: coming back. Have they considered that they're trying to stop you because you sing... Terribly. Terribly. Oh my goodness. I like I long now for the days of the 2468 and 123 and like just go back to the 60s rehash slogans. That's that was awful. Video's better too. All right. Brett Winterbull back from vacation. He's up next. Stay tuned on News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT.